impacts them every day. I think we're going to do a great job. What's going on, guys? Ted Thayton here, host of the Modern Man Podcast. First, thank you for listening. And just really quick, I wanted to make sure I warned you about some explicit content that's included in this episode. I still think it's a message that you need to hear, so I'm happy to share it. But just wanted to give you a heads up. You might find some of the language offensive. And if you are sensitive to that, I won't take offense if you decide to skip it. If not, I think you'd really enjoy the content. So thank you for your support and enjoy the episode. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Modern Man Podcast, where we connect men in pursuit of their potential. Join us as we embrace discomfort, cultivate community, and put wind in each other's sails. Now, if you're ready to take your personal and professional growth to the next level, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. And don't forget to check out the Noble Knights Mastermind Group, where you'll find the support, accountability, and mentorship you need to achieve your goals. Join us and become a part of a community of like-minded men on a mission to improve themselves and elevate their capacity for life. I'm excited to get winning in our sales coming out of Toronto, Canada. It's a pleasure to have Nikki Ballou on the podcast, host of the Sovereign Man podcast, best-selling author, speaker, advisor, confidant, founder of E-Circle Academy. Nikki, man, glad to have you on. Todd, it's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Ready to rock. Ready to rock. I, I love it. And, and, and I love to make sure that the the guest and the audience, they can have a moment to themselves without me getting in the way, interjecting, messing up the intro and whatnot. Because I also love to hear the guest introduce themselves for what's important to them, what resonates with them. Tell a little bit of the story because titles only tell the end. So I would love, Nikki, for you to take the floor really quick, make the podcast your own and, and talk to the audience and tell them who you are. Well, I'm actually originally an immigrant from the Middle East. I'm a Christian from Iran. When I was 11 years old, my late father, God rest his soul, could see the turmoil going on in my country. The Islamic revolution was happening. And he made a decision that he was going to get his Christian family out of Iran because this was no longer going to be a great place for him to raise his Christian family. Now I was 11. This was my home. This was where all my friends were. And I was not happy to be leaving. But in retrospect, it's the single greatest thing my dad did for our family. He changed the trajectory of our family's legacy. He took us from tyranny to freedom. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, I am ever so grateful for that. It is one of the reasons I'm a champion for freedom, free expression, and free enterprise. You know, the great Robert Kiyosaki says that we're living in an age and an era where, unfortunately, dark forces are trying to fill impressionable young minds with the mush of Marxism. But freedom is still what is the key to the greatness of America and the greatness of the West. We're all fortunate that we get to live in freedom. Is this the perfect society? No, it is not. But it is still the greatest, freest society in the history of the world. And I, for one, am grateful to have escaped from a place where if you say the wrong thing about the rulers of the country, you can be thrown in jail and killed. Yeah, you know, amazing. so. So I came from there to here. And my father was an uplifter of human beings. If he knew you and you were looking for work, he'd get you a job. If he knew you and you were looking to start a business, he'd help you get it going. If he knew you and you were looking to buy a car or a house or an apartment and you didn't quite have enough money, he would top you up so you could buy that car, that house, that apartment. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, what? What are you talking about? Who does that? Nobody does that. Well, the late, great Napoleon Ballou did that. And why would he do that? Well, first of all, he would do it because he could. He was successful. He had the financial means 
But the second reason was he was a Christian and he believed that it was his duty as a Christian to be of service and to share those blessings that he had gotten from God with his fellow man and woman. Mm. Now you think about that. That's powerful. That is the man that raised me. That is the man that infused the fire of manhood inside of me. And I wanted to always be like my dad. I wanted to be an uplifter of human beings. I wanted to be somebody people could count on. And I wanted to be someone successful. Man. And that's why I got into entrepreneurship. And, you know, in a big way, I work with a lot of folks in entrepreneurship who've got, who've got a desire to be bigger and better. I've written nine books, actually 10, if you count the second edition of one book, but we're going to be getting rid of that one. So these are, these are some of the books that I've written. Well, this ain't one of mine, but this is my latest book, the second edition of a book I wrote. Um, got the attention of Donald Trump. He endorsed it. That was kind of cool. First edition, <laughs> the first edition of the book is, is, is here. This is the, the precursor to that book. This is a book I wrote about how to create a million dollar year income. This is a book I wrote about how to go into your network and, and, and generate more money. More people, most people don't go into their networks properly. And that's why they leave a half a million dollars to $10 million on the table. This is my, the second edition of my first book. Forward was written by Olympic gold medalist Mark McCoy of Canada. Phenomenal man, 110-meter hurdles, about how to have a mindset of a champion. That's the first edition. This is a book I wrote for children on how to be good capitalists, Kathy Capitalist and Johnny Jobmaker. And this, my friend, is a book that you'll have a, a lot of special interest in because it's a fable written for people who are doing a side hustle and want to make it their full-time gig and want to make enough money to do it. So make sure you go pick yourself a copy of some of these books up, especially this one from Amazon. That's kind of my deal. I'm all about serving the good men, the good women of the world. I want them to succeed. I want them to win. I want to keep freedom alive. And I want to make sure that every single man and woman who's got a big dream knows that there's people out there, someone like me, who believes in the majesty of their dreams and is going to help them rock that dream and take it to the top. Man, Nick, I mean, I could, I could end the podcast right here, man. Go ahead, hit cut, hit the record button. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm joking. That that's amazing. It's, it's inspirational. It's informational and, and it's passionate, which I love because my first thought, when you talk about the late great Napoleon blue and the decision that one man can make to change the trajectory of a family I want to hone in on that really quick in terms of for a lot of people listening and some of the guys listening, how they operate their lives. Um, they don't take it seriously, man. And, and it's amazing to think that the decisions that we make day in and day out, how we carry ourselves could echo past ourselves, not just around us in our household, but really into our community and into our, our, our county, our state and country. How important was the decisions your father made to you? And how does that play into the decisions you make day in and day out as you live your life? Look, you know, my dad was somebody who, um, without his decision, I wouldn't even be here right now. I'd probably be dead because when I was um, just a young boy in Iran, the Iraqis invaded Iran and I was going to go fight. And young boys, 13, 14 years old, which is the age I was, we were sent to the front lines ahead of the, the men and most of them were killed. So that's probably what would have happened. So that decision was everything for me, brother, everything. It's powerful and important to understand that, you know, 
when you move forward in life, you got to remember the man who dug the well. And my father dug the well for me. And inside the work I do with men, like I run a men's organization, I run a business group, I help people be seen as a go to thought leader, I help them like, do things like take a business that's, you know, $100,000 a year, turn it into a million, take a million dollar business, turn it into 10 million, or someone like yourself who's got a side hustle, I help folks like you take that side hustle and make it their main gig and get rid of the job for good. But what what's my heart is I'm all about helping men become men again because the world right now 24 7 365 is sending messages that manhood is bad men are bad men are toxic you know all kinds of crap is being shoved down men's throats you know what i'm saying it's ridiculous it's ridiculous but we're the antidote to that the sovereign man movement man we're a place where we uphold and elevate men manhood masculinity and You come into our group, you're going to have a masculine relationship. You're not going to have the modern feminized relationship. Even men today have feminine relationship with each other because they don't know how to have masculine relationships with each other. You know, the world is completely feminized. You're around your lady, your wife. You got you can't have a masculine relationship with your wife. Come on, it's not going to work. In work today, you can't have a masculine relationship. There's women all over the place there. And the places you, you can't have that. You need a place where you can have masculine relationships. You know, where a man can tell you straight out when you're full of shit, right? He can just tell you off and say, you're full of shit. And, you know, if you're mad enough, you'll take it. You won't take it all uh, uh, as an insult. Oh, my God. You say that. Well, he told you that because you are full of shit. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. That's what happened. And that's the job of a masculine relationship. Iron sharpens iron, not by being sweet and pretty to you, but by being direct and focused with you. You know, we can't live in this age of soft, the Mm -hmm. era of the soft man. David Goggins talks about that, right? He talks about that this is we're living in the era of the soft man and the soft woman, especially the soft man. And we cannot have that. We got to toughen men up. We got to harden them up. We got to send them out into battle because the world is a metaphorical battle right now. And if you can't be around a group of men and take criticism, your ability to take criticism from another man is directly correlated with your ability to go out there in the world and be successful. Hmm. Okay. David Data say that, said that. If you're in a men's group and you're not taking criticism, you ain't in a men's group. You're in a women's group, only there's hairy men in it because, you know, that's what's around you, but they're not acting like men. How important is criticism? It's got to be criticism. It's everything. How important is criticism when it comes to the growth of a man, when it comes to identifying that blind spot? Everything. Listen, in our group, we we come and we give men that masculine criticism they need. We 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 give them a we give them an attaboy when when it's warranted. But the world's given too many attaboys. Oh, everybody, you, you know, someone coming in last place is getting a participation trophy. No, man, that's not how the real world works. You know, you've got to take criticism and you've got to you got to seek criticism. I seek criticism. In my men's group, I seek criticism. I go in there to get men to kick my butt, not to say, oh, look, Nikki, how great you are. No, 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 man. The world tells me that bullshit. No, I want a man to tell me how full of shit I am that I don't see. That's what I want. And that's what every man ought to want out of a men's group. That's a masculine relationship. Masculine relationship is based on respect. Part of respect is giving a man the truth and not sugarcoating it and pretending that he can't handle taking criticism oh my god that he's gonna crumble like a little girl or a little boy you know criticism is a part of a masculine 
uh, connection, relationship, loyalty. You've got to have loyalty in that space, right? You've got to have honor. There's got to be an honorable relationship. Like, listen, in my men's organization, we're early. Here's what we say. Early's on time. Everything else is late. Mm -hmm. Late. And here's the number one quality of a man. You know, there's dudes out there. They got shows for men. There's this these dudes in Miami. They got this show called Fresh and Fit. And it's got a lot of people watching it, okay? And they, <laughs> they bring girls on. They bring girls on. Emotionally damaged young women. And they basically like, hate on women a little bit, you know, like talk about all the crappy things women are doing in relationship to men. And I'm not saying that they're wrong in some of the things that they say, because the world is unfortunately infected women about how to mistreat men these days. And far too many of them do that. They don't see that. But man, that is not the job of us men to go hating on women and saying how messed up they are. We got to be strong and powerful and lift women up with us. And these guys go, he's a high value man. A high value man is a man who makes a lot of money, has abs, and can <laughs> sleep with a lot of girls. He's got a lot of girls. I'm like, what? What is a high-value man to you? No, brother. High-value man. There's only, there, there's no, to me, there's a definition that's been going on for thousands of years until 50, 60 years ago. Everybody agreed. High-value man is a man you can count on. A man who will keep his word. He will not take it back. That's a high-value man. There's not a lot of those men these days. I'm telling you that right now. There's too many men will go, mm -hmm. I'll do this. And I'm going to change your mind. Well, I changed my mind. Well, guess what? Up until 1965, that was not an option for men. They gave the word, that's it. And it should be that way today. You know who I value highly? Men who keep their word, especially when it's inconvenient for them to keep their word, especially when it's going to cost them money especially when it's going to cost them pussy, especially when it's going to cost them convenience, sleep. Those are the high value men to me. I remember I had those a, uh... men. Those are men. The man who goes <laughs> to you, Ted, I'll see you tomorrow at three o'clock. And then at two 30, some girl says, come take me to bed. And he'd rather do that than come see you and keep his word to you. That ain't a high value man, brother. Mm -hmm. That's an, that's a, that's not even a man in my books. Right. And for for us as men, we need to understand until we understand that until we're accountable to ourselves and other people, we are not even men. We're boys. That's a problem that all men, you should look yourself in the mirror and go, how many times did you break your word today? Just today. Never mind in your life. Just today to yourself. Did you say you were going to get up at six, but you got up at 630? You broke your word. Did you tell somebody you were going to show up at three o'clock and you didn't show up at all? You showed up at 310. You broke your word. Did you make a deal and then get a better offer and then go back on your word on the deal? You broke your word. You're not a man. So I'm going to tell you a story about a man by the name of Kirk Kirkorian. You ever heard of Kirk Kirkorian? Ted? No. So Kirk Kirkorian was an American capitalist, Armenian background. Born in California in 1917, and he died in 2015. There's a book about him called The Gambler. Highly recommend you and your listeners read it. So let me see if I've got the book. The Gambler. Here. The Gambler. Kirk Kirkoyan. Let me see if I've got the book handy here. Uh, no, it doesn't look like I do. All right, no problem. I'll find it another time. I'll show you. So here's the deal with Kirk Kirkoyan. Kirk was a big deal maker, made deals that made him billions, okay? 
billions with a B. Now, there was a time where he had purchased MGM Movie Studios. You heard of MGM Movie Studios? You heard of the MGM hotels in Las Vegas? Mm -hmm. Kirk Kerkorian built those, okay? When he bought the MGM Movie Studios, he kind of used that and built some hotels in Vegas with it as well. So he had a deal to sell the um, to sell the um, the company. One of his people was the president and made a deal on Kirk's behalf to sell the company. Less than 24 hours later, someone else came up to this president and offered him a way better deal, bro. Like I'm talking a way, way better deal. Mm. So guess what? The guy's like, oh my God, what should I do? He goes, okay, I'll call Kirk. I'll call Kirk. And he goes, calls Kirk. He goes, hey, Kirk, hey, it's so it's your president. He goes, yeah, yeah, what, what, what do you want? He said, listen, you know, I made a deal yesterday, blah, 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 to sell the company. And, you know, we got to deal with these guys. But then today, this, these other guys called it off and it's such a better deal and blah, blah, blah. And, the, and he started getting into how much of a better deal it was. And ha- halfway through his tirade, Kirk goes, hold up. I only want to know one thing. He said, what's that? Did you give your word to those folks yesterday that they have a deal? He goes, yeah, but he said, that's it. Why the hell are you even calling me? Keep your word. Now, in the short term, that cost Kirk a billion dollars, a billion with a B. Sure. And this is in the 1990s. So it'd be like five, $10 billion today. You understand what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. But guess what happened shortly after that deal got consummated? Word got around that Kirk Kerkorian's word was inviolate, unbreakable, unmessable with. Now, guess what happened shortly after that word got around? Kirk Kerkorian started getting calls. Mm-hmm. about deals that were not available to anybody else. You understand what I'm saying? To anybody else. And you know why he got those calls and nobody else got those calls? Because the people making those calls understood that Kirk Corcorian's word was gold. And you could count on it. Now, Ted, Can you imagine if you walked into the world and you had that reputation amongst your fellow men? Oh, absolutely. My father used to always say, someone's watching. And I never knew what that meant. And this was before the time of social media, right? This is before, you know, everything you did in college was posted on Facebook and Instagram and things like that. But he used to say, somebody's always watching. And I never knew what he meant as a kid. Now that I'm older, he's pretty much saying your your reputation precedes you, right? People are going to know about you before you walk in the room. And this is whenever you're trying to do something and something big in life, elevate yourself in life. If you're if you're trying to do something, those that are those that are research, those that actually care about themselves, their business, their family. I mean, when it comes to getting married, I'm sure my my in laws. They looked me up. They want to know the kind of man that's going to be part of their family. The best thing that my dad told me was that someone's always watching because thankfully my reputation is not a bad one, but I do feel in today's world, a lot of folks, they build a personal brand. 
They build a reputation. They don't understand. And I'd love for your insight on this in terms of how long it takes for that reputation to be built, your word being bond, right? And you could spend years, decades building the foundation of that, but it could all be ruined in a second, in an instant. I'd like to talk about the fragility of that, how your reputation, your word, everything you build up as a man, everything you build yourself to be is still very, very fragile once you have it. I got to be honest, man. I know this is going to be an answer you're not going to like, but I don't really care about my reputation. I don't care what reputation to me is not what matters. I care about my character. Okay. And if other people notice, that's great. The right people will notice. The people I want to notice will notice. But I don't care about a reputation. I, I, I don't tell my men to put any focus on that. I tell them to keep their word. I tell them to keep their word. Mm-hmm. And the number one thing I have our men focus on is keep your word. Don't go back on it, especially when you want to go back on it. Be loyal to the people in your life. Don't cheat on your wife. You know, don't don't be a runaround man. Um, take care of your your physical health and go out there and find other men to elevate. Because we're living in a time where men right now are scared and confused and don't understand what it, what it is to to be a man. Mm. They just don't get it. They're not there. They're they're thinking, oh, I need to I need to I need to be more feminized. I need to be more like a woman. I I, I can't push too hard. I can't be too loud. And I don't agree with any of that. Not that I'm saying you should go out there and beat your chest and tell the world to look at you, but. Men and manhood and masculinity right now are not about the things that the modern world cares about. How many likes you get on social media, how many followers you got, how much money you make. None of that really at the end of the day matters. And don't get me wrong, I'm I'm an arch capitalist, okay? (laughs) I am an arch capitalist, all right? Fair enough. (laughs) That's my boy, Robert Kiyosaki, right there. I'm reading the Capitalist Manifesto for fun. All right, just so you understand. I make a lot of money and I love making money and I love making people money. So I want to be clear on that, but it's not about that. It's about, it's about people. It's about the people around you. And it's about how you can make everybody that comes into contact with you to understand what kind of man that you are so that you can inspire them to want to be that way or have them be a part of, of something. Mm. Most men today don't even have a brotherhood to be a part of, man. Most men today don't even have one friend they can count on. Not one friend. Think about that. Not one. Can you imagine somebody you can't call if you're out of town and, and your wife heard someone break uh, a window? There's nobody you can call to go check in on her? I mean, that's nuts, man. man. That's nuts. That's nuts. That's why sovereign man exists. That's why you got your your group. What the noble, noble knights. knights? Right. And that's you. Men need that, bro. Men need other men. Men need to learn. You don't need to go and reinvent the the wheel to find out what what it is to be a man. Yeah, you can learn from us and from other men, and that's important. But honestly, just go study history, man. Just go study history. You know, there's tons of examples. 
tons and tons and tons. Like, really, everybody today, right now, is is like going, where are all the good leaders? Right? They're still out there. They just don't, they're not, they're not coming out to the fore to do politics the way that we used to because we don't want strong leaders. We want weak leaders. We want people that are that are that are able to be pushed around. That's most people like, yeah, we don't want somebody too tough. We don't want somebody too mean. But that's the truth of the matter is you need toughness. You need somebody who can get things done in the world of leadership. Mm-hmm. You don't need a kumbaya leader. You know, there's a writer by the name of PJ O'Rourke. He passed away a few years ago. Okay. And he he was a former um uh, Marxist who became a conservative, right? And he wrote he wrote a little essay and he talked about, you know, American political parties. Like I'm a Canadian, I live in Canada, right? But he talked about how God's a Republican and Santa Claus is a Democrat. And then he's talking about everybody wants Santa Claus. Everybody loves Santa Claus because Santa Claus gives you presents. Santa Claus loves you. Santa Claus, you, you know, is always going to be there for you. Santa Claus, he says, Santa Claus is great. Everybody loves Santa God's this mean guy. He's got rules, you know. He, he like kicks your butt. He said, Santa Claus is better than God in every respect but one. And I'm like, okay, this, this ought to be good. What is it? <laughs> he said, there is such a thing as to God. And there is no such thing as Santa Claus. I'll play devil's advocate. I'll I'll take that position. Um, wouldn't you say there's a necessity for both? Well, let me let me say this to you. I tell my little kids there's a Santa Claus, you know, but there's a certain age at which I tell them there's no Santa Claus, man. <laughs> and, Why is it important for the kids to believe that there's a Santa Claus, though? Well, you know, that's a good question. And the honest truth is, I just grew up with Santa Claus. And that's how I was raised. So I raised my kids that way. But if I were to question it, honestly, maybe it's better not to tell the kids fairy tales. Maybe it's better to be honest with them from the get go. Hmm. You know, I haven't thought that through enough. But there's a friend of mine who said, why do you lie to your kids? Why do you lie to your kids? The first relationship you have with them, you start with a lie. And I'm like, you know what? You can be truthful with your kids and not, and still shield them from the harshnesses of the world. And I'm like, yeah, there's some truth to that. There's some truth to that. You know, I think, um, I think, um, and part part of me is my thought process is I think there's a necessity for the stoic man, for the man to get things done. There's necessity for the, the leadership. However, not everybody is equipped for it, right? And I think that the the reality is is it's okay if you're not equipped for it. Then let me do what I do. <laughs> let me do what I do. And I I don't think there's something wrong for those that believe in Santa Claus, but we also need those that those that move forward, those that get things done. I, I think to to your point, our advancement is 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 led by people who challenge the status quo, who push forward, who keep their word. And I say reputation, the, the trophy behind my head that I'm always blocking, my dad always yells at me for, I got this in the in the eighth grade. And uh, it's sitting right next to an Emmy. And when I won the Emmy, my dad said, that award is still your favorite award. And it sits on my bookshelf. And it's the, um, 
the acknowledgement of integrity and character, right? And so you mentioned character. My dad's like, no matter what you do in life, like that's my favorite award. You're 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 a 13 year old kid, and and your school recognized you for your character and your integrity. And part of that was just I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to step into this world wholeheartedly as myself. And to your point, I'm going to face my flaws. I'm going to face my shortcomings. Um, I think part of the reason I won that award was because there was a there was a little kid. We were playing. You ever played handball back in the day where you throw the ball against the wall and if it hits, you got to peg somebody. Kid was younger. He was one of the younger kids at recess and he threw it. Terrible aim. Hit another kid. Let's call him Jonathan. Right. Hits Jonathan. Jonathan's like, oh, who did that? And this kid's terrified. Right. Probably still believed in Santa. I said, oh, man. <laughs> I said, oh, man, listen, I did it. I, I, I pegged you with the ball. Jonathan, he, he picks up the ball and pegs me with it. And I say, all right, now we're even. Like, I could take it. He couldn't take it. I could take it. Then he picks up, then he bends over to pick up the ball again. I said, no, we're finished. And he's like, no. And he's coming up and I punch him. I punched him to end it. The teacher saw it and I said, don't worry about it. I got this. And I walked myself to the principal office. I sat down and I told the principal, I said, I, I punched Jonathan in the face. And then Jonathan comes in with the ice pack on his nose and he's sitting there and she's like, what happened? And I said, this, this, this. And I said, listen, man, I'm sorry. I punched you in the face. I just, I just wanted it to end. I didn't want you to peg me again. He said, I'm sorry. He shook my hand. We both go finish, finish lunch. <laughs> my friends are amazed. They're like, how do you get away with punching somebody in the face? To the point is that little kid didn't have to, at that time, didn't have to be the person to punch him. At, but I'm glad I was there so he didn't have to get pegged with that ball. Um, do you think it's okay for there to be both? I it's a deep question. That, I know it's a deep question. I think that, uh, I think that it's not to tell you the truth. I think you got to live in reality. You can't live in a fantasy. You can't tell people or yourself uh, a, a group of lies because then you're not living in, uh, in reality. And the biggest problem that we have is there's too many people that are living in a fantasy la la land and they're not living in the real world. So, you know, for little kids, yeah, sure, Santa Claus is fine, but you're a grown up? No. Santa Claus is not. <laughs> you believe in Santa Claus as a grown up? No. Hell, no, and hell no. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's just a fact. And this is the problem with the modern world too much softness and we tolerate it. And I'm telling you right now, the West is. 30 years away from being completely overrun by hard, intolerant men from hard, intolerant countries. Because our men right now are soft and weak. And they cannot pick up a rifle and go toe to toe with these hard, intolerant men from places like the Middle East, from places like Russia, from places like China. They're emphasizing manly education for their boys. What are we emphasizing? Gender pronouns? We're pretending you know, men, you know, with male genitalia or women, and we're allowing them to go into women's locker rooms and change rooms. Are you kidding me? Because they couldn't make it as an athlete with men. Now, oh, oh okay, I'm going to say I'm a woman, so I'm going to go beat up on women. How's that fair to, look, to girls who've been working all their lives to like win in their sport? And now some dude comes in and with biological advantages, he's kicking their butts. It's wrong, man. It's wrong. And this is part of being a man is you got to be able to stand up and say things like this and take the consequences that come. Because mm -hmm. if you don't, man, 
there's our world is done. We're finished. Study mm-hmm. your ancient history. Ancient Rome descended into debauchery. And shortly after that happened, it was clear that the Roman men were no longer willing to fight for their country. They had to get mercenaries to fight to keep Rome safe. And when the money ran out, those mercenaries weren't ready to fight anymore. And the barbarians, the Goths, which were Germanic tribes, blew through Rome and sacked it. And Rome was no more. And the world descended into a thousand years of darkness, brother. A thousand years. And I'm telling you, this is what's going on in the West right now. Right now. What do you think it is that scares so many people about strong men? Scares people about strong men? Yeah. Because they fed Marxist mush in their brains in the school system through academia and through the movies for the past 30, 40, 50, 60 years. I mean, look at it, man. In the school system, they're saying America was founded based on racism right now. Is America perfect? No. Were there people among the founding fathers that were, you know, racists and slave owners? Hell yes. But are you kidding me? America founded on racism? Actually, no. Read the founding documents of the Declaration of Independence. That's not the case. Okay. It's the only revolution in the world which did not kill hundreds of thousands of millions of people. The Iranian revolution in my country killed over half a million people, the opponents of the regime. The American revolution killed a bunch of redcoats and then everybody else was (laughs) able to go live on their own. And 80 years after the mistake that they made when the nation was founded, they went to war, a civil war, a civil war to say, no, we screwed up. We didn't have all men be created equal. We allowed slavery and we're going to be done with that. You think about that. What other country has done that? No other country. None. Today, there's more slavery today than there ever has been throughout history. There are 50 million people that are slaves in the world today, mostly sexual slavery. Mm-hmm. Brother, it's crazy. People don't see this. They don't want to accept this. And they're like trying to pretend slavery, oh, it only happened in the United States and the North American continent, and it was only white people enslaving black people. Yeah, that was bad. But guess what? You know what? Black people enslaved black people, black people enslaved white people. In Roman times, everybody enslaved everybody. Like, you read about what life was like back then. You lost a war, you're going to be a slave. That's how it was. You were going to be a slave. And if you were a pretty girl, you were going to be a sex slave, which is what is happening today. You know, it's, it's ridiculous that people don't see this, don't agree with this, are trying to, they're pushing a narrative forward. And there's two types of people that are doing this. One are ignorant people, and that's okay. Ignorance you can do something about. You can help educate people. The other are malevolent people who want to take the free society that we have now, and they want to turn it into a Marxist hellhole with a bunch of really rich people at the top and a whole bunch of peons at the bottom that don't have a lot and depend on them for everything. That's what most of the world is like. That's why I ran away from Iran. That's why my family came to the West, man. Mm -hmm. And if we lose freedom here, there's nowhere for the rest of us to run to. We're done. We're going to descend into a thousand years of darkness, brother, just like Europe did, man. The barbarians are at the gate and they're inside the gate. One of the questions you had was, or one of the things you you had um, in your bio was the importance of men to step up. How, how can us as men step up? Anyone listening, anyone discharged right now, um, but they don't know what to do. They don't know how to navigate their own lives. Maybe they, they work a job. They pay their bills and they're kind of thinking to themselves, man, I, I, just, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just, I'm just 
I'm coasting. That's a great question. That's a great question. So first and foremost, you need to join some sort of brotherhood of men, either in your church or in a group like Noble Knights or Sovereign Men or something. You need to be around other men. You need to be around masculine relationships. You need to create them. You need to understand what a masculine relationship is because you probably haven't had one in forever, maybe even ever. That's number one. Number two is go and um, read about what it is to be a man. You know, there's lots of great books out there. There's a, an author by the name of John Eldridge. He wrote a book called Wild at Heart. Yeah. Every man should read Wild at Heart. It's a great book. There's another what is book it? Called- the, the three things that every man is looking for. Is it a, a, a battle to fight, an adventure to live, a beauty to save? That's it. That's it, brother. That's it. It's great. Yep. John Eldridge is amazing, right? Secondly, there's another great book called The Way of the Superior Man by David Data. Every man ought to read that book. It's super important and powerful. And then thirdly, it's Stefan Arnio's Hard Times Create Strong Men. You read these books, they're going to fortify you with a lot of the information and the knowledge you need to know about how to be a man. Now, inside Sovereign Man, we have a curriculum. We've got a book of the month every month. We've got a podcast episode of the month from our podcast. And we go deep into these topics for men. So you want to learn about that? We can give you a copy of the of the syllabus and the book list that we have. We got 45, 48 books on that. Mm-hmm. And thirdly, I, man, you've got to be in programs. So the most important program I did as a man is called the Sterling Men's Weekend. The next one's happening in less than two weeks. Justin Sterling runs it, sterling-institute.com. I don't get paid for this. I make no money from this. But it is very important. It will set you up to win in life. Mm, these are the things that. as a man you need to do then get involved with your school board don't let these wokesters try to force men into your little girl's bathroom okay like stand up for what's right and 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 and, and be somebody who's there for your neighbors you know what martin luther king one of the greatest americans one of the greatest men of all time said that he had a dream that one day he was going to live in a country where they would judge his kids, not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And that that dream came alive. It wasn't perfect, but it came alive. By the 80s and 90s, man, that was happening, man. You weren't even talking about that crap anymore. And now in 2023, you're talking about that again? Are you kidding me? Now the racists are saying, oh, all white people are bad, the way they used to say all black people were bad back then. Are you nuts? We can't have that. that, that 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 is like basically taking and perverting Dr. King's dream. We can't allow that to happen. You know, the emperor has no clothes. You got to say the emperor has no clothes. You know that story, that Danish story where the emperor walks in the street and he's pretending he's got clothes on where he's buck naked and everybody's saying, oh yeah, your clothes look great. Except one kid goes, you're naked. What are you talking about? You can't say that. That's the emperor. Yes, you can. The emperor has no clothes. Our world's going in the wrong direction in the wrong way fast. If you're a man and you see this and you're saying nothing, you're silent, that you're part of the problem. The great Irish philosopher Edmund Burke said the only condition necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to stand by and do nothing. Do not be one of those good men. Do not stand up, speak up, speak out. (laughs) Oh, man, I hear I hear the passion. Nikki Ballou, um, how, how can folks contact you get in touch with you learn more about the sovereign man podcast the group and and everything that you got going on because i would love for the audience and everyone to uh have have the resources to connect look you can anyone wants to jump on a phone call with me i'm going to give you a link to get on my calendar free of charge the stuff that i charge thousands of dollars for i'll do a free call with any man who wants to speak to me go to uh, ecircleacademy.com forward slash appointment just fill out the form 
that uh, with the time and say, I, I, I came from Ted's show. I'll do a call with you. That's the I best way. That. But you know, you can go to sovereignman.ca. You can look me up on Amazon. You'll see all my books, my podcast, blah, blah, blah. They're all there. Last question. Um, and, and I feel like you might've touched on it before, but um, it's usually the heaviest question. What is something you've seen or something that's happened to you in your life that shapes the way you view the world as a man? Well, going through a separation and a divorce definitely uh, helped me see other men's pain because I felt that pain myself. And that's what has me be completely focused on looking into a man's eyes, seeing his pain and telling him he's not alone and he can be part of a group of men and they can help him shake that pain out of himself. Mm. Nikki Ballou, appreciate the time, brother. This has been impactful, inspirational, passionate. Um, and I'll be sure to have the links in the show notes. Uh, thank you so much. And we appreciate the time. I was going to ask some business questions, but I don't think we have time for the business questions because this was- Bring me back. We'll do it again. We'll have we'll to have do another round. We'll do business <laughs> show. You, you should come on my men's show, man. Let's have oh. you on my men's show. Bring me on for a business talk and come on my men's show. We'll, we'll do both. I'd love to be on, brother. I'm going to recap some of the gems you left along the way really quick as we wrap up, uh, just because I know some folks listening, they're working out, they're cleaning, they're riding their bike or driving. Uh, keep your eyes on the roads, 10 and 2 out there. Uh, late, great Napoleon Ballou. And what I gathered was the the decisions that you make in life will echo past your, your existence. Know that what you do and how you carry your day each and every single day is going to be impacting more than just yourself, your family, your friends, your community, and really the, the world around you is going to have the ripple effect and the butterfly effect of how you act. Uh, when you move forward in life, you have to acknowledge those that have built the well. I also mentioned build the well before you're thirsty. I love saying that. We have dug to be the well. proactive. Dug the well. Dug the well. Dig the well. Yeah, dug the well. <laughs> for those who dug the well, but you want to dig the well before you are thirsty in life. If you know you're headed somewhere, you want to make sure that you are prepared. Um, give the truth, handle criticism, be able to be direct to your fellow man, to those around you. See, tell them the truth. Don't be afraid of that conflict. And if you do receive criticism, acknowledge that as a gift. Acknowledge that as a way to improve and be better. Get involved. To step up as a man, you want to get involved in your community, get involved in your surroundings, read, learn, grow yourself. I always say elevate your capacity as a man for life. You lead by example. The bigger your capacity for life, the more those you can pour into and be, be sure to join a community of men. Speaking of pouring into others, iron sharpens iron. Don't do it alone. I say it all the time. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, and make a difference. Go with others, and see other men's pain. That was the last. That was the last point Nikki made. Seeing other men's pain, you connect with folks by getting in the storm with them. In this world, we're either in a storm, just got out of one, or we're, in, or we're just walking into one. If you recognize someone in the middle of the storm, and you've been there before, sometimes just simply walking in that storm and getting wet with them, withstanding the wind with them, gives them the community and the strength to keep going and pull them out to safety. Guys, as always, I'm going to ask that you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Go ahead and share this with a friend you know can get value from it. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you leave us a rating to let us know how we're doing because the only way we get better is by your criticism and your feedback. And of course, as always, as we say at the end of the episode is, everybody wants the sunshine, they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Let's grow. Let's grow.